Welcome to the PT Student Center. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Falbo, and I'm a new grad DPT helping physical therapy students just like you get through school on their first try debt free. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the PT Student Center. My name is Sarah Falbo, and today I have on Joe Rinaldi. Welcome to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm pumped to hear about what you're doing as a new grad too. I know uh, both of us are new grads now. And when we first talked, we were in PT school still, like towards the end. Yeah, it's been a while since we first connected and time has gone so quickly and also so slowly through the pandemic that I almost lose track of where I am sometimes. Honestly, yeah, I think it was 2020. <laughs> we could just wipe that out. Cool. Um, so Joe, tell the people, first of all, what got you into PT in the first place? And then we'll kind of dive more into what you're up to now. Sure. So like a lot of people listening, I've played sports my entire life. Uh, and I placed a lot of value on fitness and exercise, health and well-being. And I went to college to study molecular biology out in uh, Pennsylvania at Bucknell University studied molecular biology for two years, did some research in a lab and realized that I did not want to study biology, but rather I wanted to learn how to integrate exercise um, into a profession where I could help other people. And so put two and two together, landed on physical therapy, transferred from Bucknell to Rutgers, studied exercise science, went to Drexel for physical therapy. Um, and you know, that brought us to new grad life and eventually brings us to here. But really what drew me to the profession was the ability to meet people who were in a vulnerable place, not feeling like themselves, dealing with pain, injuries, setbacks, et cetera, and being able to walk with them through that space and use my passion of exercise to help them feel like the person they wanted to be. That was a smooth answer. I really like that. And that's really cool because people don't always think about it in terms of, oh, you're seeing patients in a really vulnerable space and you're helping them move through a lot more than just their injury. Um, a lot of PTs are like, oh, I, I had an injury and now I'm here helping other people with their injury, which is cool. But like, it's not always the story. Um, and so how was it? Let's Let's backtrack a little bit. How was the transition into... PT school from undergrad? So I have a little bit of a unique story, I think. Um, and so I'll get into it a bit. And if you want me to go deeper, just, just let me know. But I have a genetic eye condition that's called best disease. And essentially it causes progressive loss of central eyesight. And so I was diagnosed when I was 10. And from the time I was 10 until about 22, which is when I started grad school, I uh, had a lot of ups and downs. Um, my, my sight loss is sporadic. It's unpredictable. That's the nature of the condition. But for the few years leading up to grad school, my sight was pretty stable. So I more or less just had it in the back of my mind and wasn't thinking much about it. And a few weeks before school started, I had an episode and I lost a good portion of my sight. And uh, that really made me think twice about whether or not I wanted to pursue physical therapy, whether I wanted to move out of my parents' house and move to a new city to pursue a degree that I might not be able to finish and take out student loans that I would have to pay back. Um, and so that was a big question mark for me going into PT school, but I decided to go anyway. And to be honest, that first year of PT school was probably the hardest and darkest year of my life um, for many reasons. But 
mostly because of what I was going through with my eyes. Um, but outside of that, my transition was great. I mean, I had amazing classmates at Drexel University. The faculty felt like family. They really cared about us. They were fun, engaging, very knowledgeable. Um, and I made friends really quickly and I explored Philadelphia, got to know the city, uh, learned a lot and really was immersed from the beginning in anatomy and kinesiology and all these things that I really was just hungry to learn more about. Uh, so my transition overall was very smooth outside of the fact that I was dealing with uh, some personal battles behind the scenes. And so when you were deciding to stick with PT or not because of your eyesight, what kind of questions were you asking yourself? Because we have actually do, we have a lot of students who listen, who may have some kind of like limitation like that mm. and are unsure if it's going to affect them as physical therapists. So one, I would say in hindsight, my eye condition has made me better at everything that I do, uh, not in an arrogant way, but it's, it's made me more empathetic. Um, I truly know what it feels like to be at a low place and to not feel like yourself, um, to have an issue that you hope somebody else can help give you some clarity on. Um, and so for me, that's, you know, eye doctors, um, it's other healthcare professionals that I've seen to try to help me figure this out, but it gives me more empathy as a physical therapist to be able to understand that it's truly a privilege to be able to be the provider for somebody and to be able to help somebody navigate something that's so important to them. So that's one, if you're going through something, if you're struggling with something, understand that it's a strength, it, it'll allow you to empathize better with the people that you get to treat. Um, but two I was, I was honestly, if it was just up to me, I probably would not have gone to PT school, but my parents, um, who I'm very lucky to have in my life and they're so supportive, told me that I couldn't think in terms of what if, you know, what if I go blind? What if I can't finish? What if this, what if that I needed to think in terms of even if, uh, even if I lost more sight, I would figure it out. You know, even if I couldn't finish school, I would still uh, learn a lot from the experience and make the best of it. So even if things didn't go as I had planned, it was going to be okay. And with that encouragement from them, I decided to go to school. And looking back, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, and so I'm really lucky that they encouraged me to do that. I love that you said it's a strength and that your parents said, even if, instead of what if, that's really powerful. Um, and I know I had said limitation, but I was hoping you would counteract that because really whatever people are going through is never a limitation. It's a perceived limitation, right? Or a perceived strength. So I think that's really cool. You brought that up. And as you went through PT school, um, what was maybe one of the most challenging parts that you overcame, maybe that is the most challenging part. Like what helped you overcome it besides your parents telling you, even if, instead of what if, like what else truly helped you get through three years of a really intensive program? Yeah, there are a couple things and I'll save the biggest one for last, but uh, classmates, you know, I had some incredible classmates, uh, made some lifelong friends. And just being able to go through something that's so rigorous with other people who are in the trenches with you makes a world of difference. Being able to be in the library and um, maybe you're studying and you're tired and 
you know, one of your friends walks by and, you know, they crack a joke and um, it just gives you that energy you need to study for an extra 30 minutes, or maybe it's uh, the day of an exam and everybody's nervous, but you get to go into it with all of these people who you care about and who care about you. And that makes a big difference. So classmates were definitely a big support system for me. Um, and I couldn't have done school without them. Uh, I think finding an online for me, and this is just for me, but finding an online group an online community of people who were striving for similar things was extremely important. And so for me, I met uh, a guy named Zach Gabor who started what is known as the Level Up Initiative. Uh, and that was an online mentorship where I got to learn all about the gray space of physical therapy, uh, the soft skills that you don't necessarily learn in all PT programs, uh, how to deal with uncertainty, how to communicate with patients, how to navigate imposter syndrome, which is something we all feel. Uh, so having that online mentorship and community for me was huge. And then the third thing that got me through school, to be honest, was uh, meeting my wife. She was in my class. And uh, long story short, I had a crush on her from the very beginning. Um, it took her a little while to realize that she felt the same thing, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> it, it, it worked out. Um, and yeah, she was, she was the reason why school was as positive as it was for me. And again, just to make a parallel to life, you know, what if also goes both ways. You can think, what if this goes wrong? Um, but in this case, what if everything goes really, really right? And if I didn't go to school, I wouldn't have met her and I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. So, um, yeah. Oh, that is so sweet. You guys, you got to go to PT school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know what could happen. Um, that's really cool. And when did you join the Level Up Initiative? When did you um, get the mentorship? I want to say that was either late 2017, early 2018, which would have correlated to kind of like the, the beginning of my second year of PT school. So it was kind of in the middle of PT school uh, when I started. Do you recommend that students get something, whether it's that or some other community, whatever it may be, do you recommend, like, do you think you could have started in first year or what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I don't think it's ever too early to start. And the other thing I'll say is, Exposing yourself to as many different viewpoints as possible early on, I think is really important because even down to the program that somebody goes to, you know, that faculty, that program, they have a culture, they have a curriculum, they teach certain things that might be different than the school in the next, you know, state over. Um, and so just to expose yourself to different people, different thoughts, um, different viewpoints is really important early on. Yeah, I actually, I think I did the level up initiative back in 2019, maybe I'm not even sure. So it was about the same time that you did around second beginning of second year. Uh, yeah. And honestly, uh, it was amazing. This is not us trying to get you all to go into the level up initiative, although it's amazing, but like find that community for yourselves. Yeah. And honestly, it was so cool. Like you said, to hear perspectives from people in different programs because mm -hmm. your program in your state is specifically like educating you for that state too. And it, mm -hmm. they're trying to get you to pass your board exam. And so it's not always necessarily how you're going to treat patients. Anyway, that's a whole side rant, man. I would go too <laughs> deep with that. Um, and now what are you up to now? So you graduated, you're mm -hmm. a new grad ish. I don't know when people are no longer new grads. <laughs> what, um. what has new grad life been like for you? Sure. So again, I think my experience 
is a little bit unique compared to years prior because I graduated in the spring of 2019. Uh, and I took my first job right out of school. And it was funny, I didn't even, you know, all my friends and classmates were looking on uh, job sites for jobs. And I just decided to look at what clinics looked cool. And I gave them a call and I went in and talked to them and ended up getting a job at a clinic I was really happy with right out of school. So I think four or five days after we graduated, I started there. Um, Typical outpatient clinic in um, a neighborhood here in Philadelphia, very eclectic, amazing people, awesome community. And for that first year of treating patients, I was feeling really good. I was feeling very motivated. You know, you're making real money for the first time in your life after a lot of school um, and, you know, you're feeling good. And so I was treating about 17 patients a day on average, at least that was what um, was expected of me anywhere between 14 and 17. And um, I realized now that I was working at a pace that was not sustainable. Uh, I was going in early to work. I was staying late. I was working through my lunch at times, all in the hopes, to be honest, of getting a raise. Um, and so I was just hungry, working really hard. And then at the end of that first year, right before I was supposed to get my raise and have my, my um, review meeting, the pandemic happened. And so that got postponed. Things slowed down quite a bit. I went from seeing 17 patients a day to seeing one patient every other day, um, socially distanced by like 30 feet. Um, in the beginning there, nobody knew what to do with the pandemic. And it was, uh, it was interesting. But then as we started to get into a rhythm, you know, the clinic was open. It was still slow. I was cleaning the bathrooms. I was mopping the floors. I was vacuuming the hallways. Anything I can do to be helpful. Um, but during that slowdown, I realized that I wasn't at my best treating 17 patients a day. Heck, I wasn't even at my best treating 14 patients a day or sometimes even 12 patients a day because what I really cared about and why I got into this profession in the first place was to spend quality time with people, to really get to know them, to care about them, to make them feel heard and valued and seen and cared for. And when I had two or three patients at the clinic at the same time, continuously throughout the day, I felt like my attention was so divided that I wasn't giving my best to anyone. So the pandemic slowed down things enough for me to realize that I couldn't do this for the rest of my life, let alone maybe even a few more years. And so the thought went through my head, can I find a clinic that treats just one patient an hour? Um, does that even exist? Um, where do I even start looking? And so I started looking, was having some trouble. And at the same time, I had been doing some coaching online, essentially through social media, growing my business, you know, late nights, early mornings on the weekends. And I decided to try and get that to a place where it made sense to take the leap and uh, leave my job and try that out full time. And 16 months ago, I made that transition I left the clinic full-time to do this full-time, and uh, my business has grown more than I ever thought it was possible. Um, I do still treat on Fridays at a one-on-one -on -one, uh, every hour clinic here in Philadelphia, um, but for the most part, I am doing my own thing. I'm coaching clients in the realm of fitness, mindset, business. I have my own company called Project Endure. We have uh, our podcast. I have a blog. I co-authored a chapter in a book. Uh, I do quite a bunch of different things and uh, I keep myself busy, but that's where I'm at today. And I don't know if I answered your question. You totally answered my question and you did a fantastic job. So you graduated, you, unlike most students and even my classmates too, 
even though it was a little different because I graduated in 2021. So it was Mm -hmm. like not quite post pandemic. We were still figuring things out. Um, But we knew more than we did in 2020. And so classmates would just go on Indeed or go on wherever. And I like what you did because honestly, that's the faster way to do it most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think students realize that. Um, I don't think I've actually had anybody say that on the podcast yet. Like, honestly. I'm a huge quote guy. So I'm going to just throw this one out there. Yeah, let's do it. Um, James Watkins, a river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. And I think that persistence is one of the most underrated qualities that a human being can have. And if you want something, go after it, be persistent, be respectful, but be persistent. Um, And if you want a job, like go take initiative and make it happen. Yeah. It's the active way to get a job (laughs) instead of submitting a bunch of resumes and hoping for the best. Um, That was great. I love that. And now you freaking, so you graduated in 2019. And you left your job 16 months ago. So what is that? Yep. You at? A year out of PT school, you went uh, full time in your own thing. I was about two years out, a little over two years out. Um, two years but out. yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. When did you start your business? Was it midway through your other job? So technically my business, the LLC project endure, uh, that started pretty much right when I left my job. However, uh, I was doing online coaching for, I want to say like three and a half, four years at that point. So I was coaching clients while in PT school. Um, it was maybe one or two clients a, a month. I was doing it on the weekends, you know, outside of class. Uh, and then once I got my first job, I started to build that up a little bit more. So even though the name wasn't on the business, I was still doing these things outside of work um, with with the idea that I liked doing them and I liked having the opportunity to maybe build something. And then once I realized in the beginning of the pandemic that I wanted to take that leap, eventually I put a lot more hours, a lot more effort into building up my coaching clientele and to get to the point where I could officially quote unquote, start the business and leave my job. Okay. So we need to backtrack just a little bit. You did this all through PT school. How many hours a week were you doing this and how did you manage all of it? Um, If my... (laughs) If my wife is listening to this podcast, um, (laughs) she would probably, she can give you a more accurate answer, but like during PT school, maybe I was spending, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight hours a week. Um, It wasn't anything crazy. Once I got my first job, I was spending maybe 10, 12, 15 hours a week outside of work doing these things. As it got closer to actually leaving my job, I was probably spending closer to 20, 25 hours a week on coaching. So all in all, that's about 60, 65 hours a week between the clinic and the coaching. Uh, And now as a business owner with a lot of freedom and flexibility, I probably work 75, 80 hours a week. Um, So I'm a workaholic is what I'm saying. Um, But yeah, I saw the value in putting in the work outside of school, outside of the clinic. And I'm glad that I did looking back. What helped you manage your time or have you always been that way? More or less, I've always been that way, but um, I couldn't, I couldn't exist the way I do without my calendar. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge believer that 
the way we spend our time is a reflection of the person that we will become down the road. Um, time is that resource that we, we all have the same amount. Um, we can't get it back once it passes. It's super, super valuable. And each week, the way we spend our time is the way we spend our life. And that is going to affect everything in the future. So I view my calendar as a reflection of the person that I want to become. So every week, and I'm pointing to my computer because it's up on the screen behind us on Zoom, I have color-coded blocks of time all throughout my week. Um, if something is important to me, it finds its way onto the calendar. I sit down every Sunday and I make sure that the calendar for the next week reflects my priorities, that everything's in order. If I need to contact somebody to move something, I'll make sure I do that. But um, yeah, I've just always been organized and, and I like to use the calendar to prioritize things. And the other thing too is I feel very strongly that expectations are important. And so when it comes to dealing with other people now full-time, uh, managing a roster of clients, I find it important to let people know, you know, hey, our time together is an hour. Um, I need to be done on the hour. You know, we'll wrap things up a little bit before. And, you know, you reinforce that with people and people respect those boundaries. Um, I have specific times a day where I'll respond to messages and when I won't respond to messages. And you kind of, uh, you have to live your life the way that you need to live it and uh, communicate those expectations to other people as to how you want to interact with them. And uh, I think it tends to work out. So that was a long-winded way of saying, yes, I'm, I'm just that person. It's not long-winded at all. I think students need to hear kind of the thought process behind it too, because in the beginning of PT school, it can be really hard to set those expectations because you might not really understand, even just in terms of study hours. If you're not working, that's a separate thing. You know, maybe you're just trying to figure out, okay, how do I set expectations with my study group or with my significant other while I'm in school or with, if I am working with whatever clients I have, maybe with professors, et cetera. So it's really valuable. Like what you just said, uh, I hope the students rewind that and listen back to it. It was good. Thank you. And also I'll add real quick, you know, I'm currently training for a marathon and before I started training for the marathon, uh, my wife, you know, is the most important person in my life. I, I share my life with her. And so it was important for me to sit down with her and say, you know, one, are you okay if I do this? And if I do this, this is what it's going to look like for me. It means I'll be getting up earlier. I'll be staying up later. We might have less time together on these specific days of the week. Are you okay with that? And it was a joint decision. And I think how that translates to PT school is, you know, if you have a significant other, if you're living with people and you haven't started PT school yet, make sure those expectations are clear. And if you are in PT school and you realize that you need to make adjustments with the way that you spend your time when it comes to studying, when it comes to things outside of school and relationships, make sure you communicate that with the people who are closest to you, um, because that's probably the easiest way to avoid conflicts and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah, that's a super common thing that I hear all the time. Students are like, I just don't understand why they don't get it. They're like thinking other people should just know that this is going to take more time. But having that conversation is really crucial. So I love that you and your wife sat down about your marathon training because people who have not trained for a marathon don't understand what you just said. But yeah. I've been there. I wish I had sat down with my significant other at the time and communicated what it was going to take because people don't know unless you tell them. So yeah, that was cool. Did you do endurance events during PT school as well? 
Uh, not so much. I've always been into lifting. I think I, I started lifting when I was 13. I would go to the local YMCA. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I, I really wish I had somebody to kind of mentor me through that phase. But no, I, I lifted for the most part, played football throughout high school and college. And then I got into the world of endurance sport after PT school. Um, and I kind of wish I got into it earlier because I just find so many benefits. Um, running is one of my favorite ways to just clear my mind and think about things. But uh, no, after PT school. You did a 70.3 too, didn't you? So maybe I almost, yeah, you probably saw that I actually, I trained for two 70.3s uh, and they both got canceled because of oh. COVID. So I literally did all of the training and then weeks before the race, it got canceled. So like in my mind, I like conquered the hardest part, but now not you really did. Yeah. Honestly, the training is the hardest part. Um, I love endurance events. I'm a little biased. 70.3 is a great distance, honestly. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome. Um, and now, so now you have your own business and now what is a week in the life of Joe look like? Let's pull up the calendar. Yeah, um, let's see it. <laughs> so people probably think I'm, I'm crazy and I am, I'm self-proclaimed crazy. I think that's a good thing. Another favorite quote of mine is from Frederick Nietzsche, who said, those who dance are considered insane by those who can't hear the music. Um, and I think that applies to anybody in PT school, because there are probably people in your life who might not understand why you are pursuing three more years of grad school uh, for this profession or why you study so much or why you do what you do. And it's okay if they think it's a little crazy. They're just not dancing to your music. Um, so with that being said, on Mondays, I usually get up at 3, 3.30 in the morning. Um, I make sure that the podcast posts for the week are all set that all that material is scheduled and finalized. I go train a client at 5 a.m. in downtown Philadelphia, train another client at 7 a.m. downtown Philadelphia. Then I have my own workout uh, lifting and endurance block. And then after that, it's essentially client calls from 1130 in the morning until eight at night. Um, for all the other days of the week, my day starts off with some me time in the gym, on the roads, uh, lifting and running. And then it's a mix of in-person clients here and there spread throughout the day, but mostly client calls and Zoom calls. So I'm essentially uh, on probably eight to nine hours of Zoom calls every day of the week with some in-person sessions mixed in and then a podcast recording on Tuesday, Thursday evenings. And then Friday, I try to wrap things up by 6 p.m. Um, and Saturday is a day where I get my long run in and then I don't do any work. Uh, and I try to spend that all with my wife. Um, so most days start around 3, 4 a.m. and around 7 p.m. Um, and that is a, a brief overview, but it's packed. You jam pack your time. And like you said, everyone has the same 24 hours. So you know what? Everyone's going to do different things with it. That's really mm -hmm. cool. Um with your business now, so some students might be listening and be like, well, he's working more than he was. Um, what inspires you to keep moving, even though you're working more hours than you were before when you were seeing 14 to 17 patients a day? I think the easy answer is it, it's mine and um, I enjoy it. And um, I see a lot of value that I can add to other people and that excites me. Um, I think a bit of a longer answer that is really authentic is that um, 
you kind of feel like you have to as a business owner, you know, like when you, or at least when I left my full-time job, um, you lose that safety net. There's no paycheck that comes in every two weeks. Um, and at the same time, while you lose that safety net below, the ceiling above is also removed. And so there's a lot of opportunity. And it's almost like this dual driving force where you feel like your back is against the wall. You have no, you, there's no plan B, there's no safety net. So you have to work hard. And then above you, you see all this room for growth and all this opportunity. And so you're being pushed from one direction, pulled in the other direction. And uh, that's why I work so hard. And uh, I think anybody who does their own thing could probably relate to that in some way. What do you like to do in your free time when you're not working? You said you love spending time with your wife. Obviously you do your long runs. Do you have any like cool hobbies that you like to do? Oh man. Uh, my wife again would laugh at this, but like my hobby is reading. And the reason she would laugh is because I read nonfiction, like solely nonfiction. I'm like highlighting things. I'm taking notes it would probably be classified as like personal development for most people. But for me, it's, it's a fun, I guess, quote hobby. Okay. What's your recent book? What's a recent favorite book you read? Ooh, um, let's go with uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, that's a good one. And my mom who uh, shout out mom, if you're listening to this podcast, she got me a book called Tuesdays with Maury. Which oh, I, I've heard good things about. Did you finish it? Not yet. I just started actually. Is it good? So, okay. I haven't read the book. There's a movie. Did you see the movie? I have not. Don't watch don't, it. Don't spoil it for me. Don't watch the movie. Okay. I won't spoil it, but I will just say uh, in, in grad school, actually, we had a psychosocial class. That's and cool. we watched the movie. It was kind of silly because I was like, we're all crying and awkwardly like sitting in chairs watching this movie. <laughs> Do you know the premise of the book? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I won't say um, it. Well, I will, I will be sure to give you an update personally on what I think after yeah. I get through it. Yeah. It's the movie. I don't know how much okay. it resembles the book, but it was really good. Like it, it's just very emotional. And I think every person in healthcare should read that book. What's a good okay. one? Uh, another book too, just for anybody in PT school, which is probably a lot of people listening or new grads. It's by uh, Catherine Schulz and it's called Being Wrong. And it's an entire book about how to be wrong and why it's important to be wrong. Uh, and I think it applies very much to our profession. So that's another one. Mm, that sounds like a good one. I haven't read that one yet. I don't think I've even heard of that one. You're going to have to send it to me. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys listening too. Absolutely. And for all the students tuning in, I have one more question and then whatever parting words you may have. Uh, what one piece of advice, you had so much good advice today, but if you had to give one piece of advice to your past self going into PT school, what would it be? Oh. That's a great question. Yeah, stay um, with it. <laughs> let me preface this by saying I was the kid who with, you know, a summer before PT school, you know, could do anything I wanted. I could have traveled. I could have relaxed. I could have done whatever. I literally went front page to back page through an anatomy textbook and studied <laughs> it like in depth, like took notes, drew pictures, like everything. Um, I would one like the less serious advice would be like, don't do that. Just like, enjoy your time. There's plenty of time for anatomy. Um, but the, the more serious advice I think is just like, understand that you don't have to be perfect. 
You don't have to know everything. You will never know everything. It's okay to be wrong. And at the end of the day, if you genuinely care about people, if you are honest with your patients and you are committed to learning as you go along, you're committed to helping people, you're committed to growing through the process with the people you're working with, the people you're treating, that's all that matters. Um, there's a great Theodore Roosevelt quote where he says, people, maybe it's, maybe it's Roosevelt. It's one of the two. Um, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Um, so you don't have to know it all. You just have to be there. You have to try your best and you have to care about people. Uh, that's what I would tell myself. I love that. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you would like to add in this entire podcast? Anything else you want to leave uh, parting words for the students? Yeah, I would just say, um, physical therapy is an amazing profession. You have a privilege uh, to help people who really need it. So don't take that lightly. And at the same time, don't make this profession or any profession your identity um, because you're more than a physical therapist. Um, you're a human being. And someday you might not be a physical therapist. And someday you might not have the titles you have today. And so just take it for what it is. Um, it's a privilege, but it's not everything that you are. And I think that's important. Mm. Thank you. That was yeah. good, Joe. If people want to reach out to you, where should they reach out to you? Uh, if you find me on Instagram at Joe A. Rinaldi and send me a message, I'd be happy to connect with anybody who wants to talk. And if you find me there, you can find pretty much everything else that I do um, and some embarrassing stuff on the internet. No, I'm just kidding. There's, there's not much that I'm embarrassed by these days, but there's a lot out there. So yeah, Instagram is the best place. I'd love to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the PT Student Center. If you could leave a review, it would mean the world to me. It helps spread the word about the podcast so more people can actually get on their way to getting through PT school on their first try debt-free. If you want to know more about the PT Student Center, go and check us out at ptstudentcenter.com and on the socials at PT Student Center.